0: Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome to Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons, and my guest, Katie Crosby. So welcome, Katie. So happy to have you.
1: So happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yay. Well, I'm super excited. Katie and I were just chatting that we met in 2019. Katie came to uh, one of my half-day Rewrite the Mother Code retreats, and then we had coffee, and then COVID happened. (laughs) And obviously it's, it's, it's so funny with COVID because I, I watch the amazing stuff you're doing. Um, I see you on Instagram. And so it's, it's not like I haven't like seen, seen you cause I do. And it's that weird thing. Right. But I'm so happy to actually have this opportunity to catch up with you, hear what's going on. Um, in this beautiful business and, uh, way that you're serving parents and with your business, thriving littles. So is it okay if I just share a few things and then we'll have you fill in?
1: Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and what a few years it's been since we <laughs> oh got <God>. up in
0: and- <laughs> full, full circle. Full circle. Okay, so here's a few things about Katie. I always think it's funny to like list our, t- you know, things we're doing, but it's important because I want people to have the context for how you've grown and evolved and and what you're doing. So Katie evolved evolved from a pediatric Occupational therapist to coaching adults with or without kids, and helping them really evolve into more of who they are, unpacking wounding, recognizing patterns that help or hinder who ultimately desire to show up to live in service and gratitude so can't wait to hear how things have shifted into that and how that's going um, so after managing an occupational therapy practice in Chicago since twenty twelve changing careers from logistics, and then hitting the ground running as a practitioner, and then founding Thriving Littles in 2017. So there, she started guiding parents and kids in small shifts that nurture and support the family system, which I'm a big fan of, supporting the family system. So we'll, of course, be talking about that um, as a whole. So to ease stress, cultivate relationships for life. And so since then, you've expanded to supporting adults and taking what you've been doing and working on with the children and the families and the adults and like just specifically one-on-one with adults. So specializing in relational healing through daily interaction and experiences merging professional and personal experience. Just want to say a couple of things that you say in your bio that I love. Uh Passionate about walking alongside people, stepping into their truest aligned and powerful selves. I think that's so key, so important. Like what I hear in that is not like, oh, I'm this Uber expert telling you, you know, all of the magical things to do, but like, I'm with you, I'm in this and that's. Really so beautiful. Uh, and how much of this is about cultivating security and allowing, you know, kids, families, one-on-ones to, you know, to really go deeply. And and then out of that, like the healing and the work you that you do, discover their unlimited potential and unlimited potential to transform relationships with ourselves and everyone around us. One thing that I know we'll talk about, something you developed called the meltdown method. And we'll we'll want to hear more about that. That's, you know, working with parents and kids around meltdowns, but I'm sure that has evolved into how we do that just individually and as adults. Yep. Nervous system releases. You have so many great classes. We'll hear about that, the classes that you do. But one thing I'm going to say before we go into hearing from you is, well, your website is lovely, but you have this little section on, you know, gift ideas and potential toys to buy, whether it's a holiday or a gift or whatever. And I love, I didn't know every single one of them, but I'm like, oh my gosh, i loved Katie before, but they're all my favorite baby and child toys. Like it was like nostalgic to look at them. I was kind of got a little teared up. Like, Oh, I love, I love the wood rainbow and I love the squish tie <laughs> and some of these things. So anyway, that's kind of an aside, but, but it points to the thoughtfulness and. You know, the certain aspects that I know we'll get into, but are so beautiful. So, again, welcome. And if you don't mind, like, let's just hear how, how did this all happen for you? What's it been like? And, and how have things been evolving?
1: So, I was working as an occupational therapist in Chicago. So, changed careers, wanted something really purposeful and stepped into occupational therapy, which really looks at living through occupation or the things that we do as a way to heal and promote well-being, promote independence and whatever that means for us. So for working with kids as an occupational therapist, I really focused around play, relating things like going to school or going to the bathroom, going to sleep. So all these really daily scenarios or situations that come up. And for me, my specialty is really looking at emotional regulation and sensory Mm -hmm. regulation. So kind of seeing that what I would call security is the basis of everything. So the idea is that if we don't feel secure, it's hard for us to do as well as we can in life. Mm-hmm. For any of us, any stage, any role, anything that we're doing. So with families, I really started to work. It was already a family-based model, D.I.R. Mm-hmm. over time and sensory integration, which is really looking at how relationships influence our level of security or take away from that level Mm. of security. And Mm. I was starting to really unpack a lot of my own personal wounding and past that I wasn't really aware of. I kind of thought like, oh, that was childhood. It didn't really impact me or like it turned out fine. So however, I started to realize the areas that I wasn't feeling secure Mm. as a human. So Mm. while I was working with kids with, what I would call regulatory vulnerabilities. So maybe diagnoses like oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, sensory integration, autism, just anything that's going on that might impact how we regulate emotions or not. So just to be in a room with a family moving through this with big intense meltdowns or big intense behavior, I started to realize how I could be perceived calm through it. And Mm. I think I'd almost detach in some way And it did help me to get into the work that I'm doing. But I started to realize, wow, I have a lot of these same insecurities that I see in the kids that I'm seeing or expecting the parents to kind of dive in and support them. I started to work really closely with parents then seeing, you know, their wounding that might come up or they would want to stop yelling in a moment of intensity but it felt really challenging. So even if they knew the right thing to do in their mind, it you know our bodies really take over in moments mm-hmm. of stress, and when our bodies have reactions that come up, I'd always say our, our wounding is stored as reactions, often not specific memories or
0: yeah. literal things. Oh, that's good. I like that.
1: Yeah, so really it evolved into supporting parents really deeply, so I would take parents on as clients while working with their kids and using a lot of the same mix of child development. So what stages is our brain going through and when we are stressed, what are our stress responses? What are our behaviors? And then a mix of consciousness, which mm-hmm. I've been on my own my consciousness path which yeah, merges with the sensory world in many ways. And a mix of attachment science and how our relationships, again, help or hinder our security levels. And as I started to think about how in demand or how in need this information, the big need for the information was, I thought, like, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could share information on Instagram, mm. which at the time wasn't very really common. It was you know a little over five and a half years ago. And there, there weren't many people sharing information online on Instagram, which is hard to believe now because yeah, it was it's like, wait, what? <laughs> so I felt kind of weird doing it. I thought I'll be yeah. novice, I'll share book clips and then kind of interpret it with my lens. And I started to get need for a client or cl- people started to reach out to see me one to one. So then decided to show my face, started to talk a lot on Instagram, which mm. for me as a somebody that. Is definitely recovering from kind of like a fear of being seen or heard Mm -hmm. or getting it wrong. It's been a really healing thing for me too. And now I see parents and adults really around the world doing sessions on developing security through working Mm -hmm. through triggers, working through things that come up. And I started mentoring groups of educators, professionals around the world. And I also have a mentor group of my own right now. And then creating, teaching, and that brings me to here, this podcast with you.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think you've summarized it beautifully. And I love how you're sharing how much, you know, a part of this was your realizations, you know, and your journey. That's, you know, it's so much of what I'm always emphasizing in Rewrite the Mother Code is it's like, we don't want to just help our kids or, you know, be this separate entity transactionally like raising them you know but i'm in there with them and i'm and you're both doing that yourself as you help the the parents work with the kids and with the kids and it's such a beautiful mix but that peace about you know you being in there with it, I just think is so important. And sometimes we just get confused about that or think, like you said, like we, I have to have, I understand, you know, we're not like, ah, like right in there with it. And there's, there's a way to do that, but that you're using it for your journey and your transformation, I think has been, um, always been very inspiring to me.
1: so true. I think we're moving away from an expert model of, where mm-hmm. the expert is kind of the one that has it all figured out or professional is kind of a blank slate. Moving into a paradigm of wholeness and authenticity, and you can show up, and your humanity isn't just tolerated, but actually can be a really pivotal part of the process when we mm-hmm. share and create a relationship around like, here's what I'm working on and allowing that to benefit the people that we're working with. So it really takes off a lot of the pressure around like, performing or perfecting and knowing all the answers. And yeah, really walking alongside people, kind of shining light where blind spots may be or where we may see is helpful, and then trusting that people can take it or leave it and carve their own path as we're strengthening
0: the security Mm -hmm. to do so. Yeah, here, here. Uh, Well, and the other thing I want to just, that I want to name after, you know, with you sharing that you were kind of... In the forefront or a forerunner in the putting content, you know, on Instagram. But I think it's connected to what we were just saying because it wasn't just like, oh, here's I'm just throwing up some facts. There's a way that you've, I don't know, brought your humanity, your creativity. You must get people that aren't even, you know, parents or kids. That there's just a way. I'm so. This is all first to just say like you've done a beautiful job. <laughs> And I'm not surprised, you know, that your following grew so, I don't know, kind of quickly or that it caught on, and it wasn't like this thing that was you know, not accepted on Instagram, and it really allowed you to, you know, bring forth what you were doing and really support and serve people. But I'm saying that because, yes, we'll we'll make sure that people know how to get in touch with you and to connect with thriving littles on instagram and and the other things you're doing. But it's You've just done such a beautiful job. I just want to, you know, really underline and uh and I loved you sharing that it wasn't comfortable getting you, you know, the parts where you talk, you know, and you share and you walk th- people through it. But you do a really beautiful job. <laughs> and so, so yes, but it isn't helps. it funny? It's like something that we don't think, like, oh, I can't do that or I'm not good at it, and then there you are, right? And uh, it's, it's yes, really beautiful. Yeah.
1: The purpose be stronger than the feeling. The yeah. Or fear.
0: Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I know you work with parents and whole families. So yeah, tell me how sometimes you know people are supporting maybe a, a child with behavioral. I'm going to call it issues. I don't know if there's better ways to say that, but you know, working with strong emotions and you know challenges in that way that the focus. I felt like for a long time, and in you know, in certain professions, is about the child. Let's fix that child, and then everybody will be okay. But the whole family system approach doesn't look at it that way. It looks at it that we're all connected. We're all a unit. We all this is all of our issue or all of our I don't opportunity. I guess if we want to you know put it more positively. So tell me a little bit about how that works for you and what what you know about not know, but you know how you work with family systems.
1: I love that there's a quote about lettuce. Like if lettuce isn't doing well, we we don't blame the lettuce. We look at the water levels. We look at the amount of sunlight or the positioning or how is the soil? What's going on with all the environmental aspects? Mm. Yeah, we really look at kids the same way. So and parents, I think, too. I look at parents the same way, too. So it's really looking at everything as a parallel process. So if we can influence the environment through interaction, through activities, through the way that we're relating, you know, how can we support from the ground up versus kind of come from an approach, I would say, top down, which is what you're saying with like blame or fix, or, you know, if you're having a hard time with handwriting, we'll just write a million sentences over and over again versus (laughs) like, okay, what is their attentional capacities which we know, is like security. What is their postural system doing and ability to be in the chair? What is their activity levels like or the rest of their routine like? Like, are they ready to be doing something really focused, precise, like handwriting? So that would be a really typical kind of OT example I would get a referral for in clinic that we would really look at what are all the pieces? What's the school system like? How is the school system supporting? What are the teachers um, doing? What is their interaction? So we really looked at, Every kid I worked with, I would go into school and say, hey, okay, let's see the environment. Let's see how we can shift this. And then looking at all the ways that we can support from the ground up. And then really looking at parents the same way. So if there is ongoing triggers around a certain kid, like where might these triggers be teachers? Mm -hmm. Or where might the triggers bring up maybe past wounding or projection around, oh, this kid is a lot of judgment around a child, for example. So maybe there's some kind of subconscious wounding there that maybe they're seeing that child like they did a parent in their childhood. Or maybe some of those old feelings, this is something that comes up all the time, is some of those triggers are often past experiences or past emotions that come up to be seen and heard. And it's like, hey, you're right, I want to be integrated, essentially, like I I need, I'm ready, I need to be felt, heard, understood, released, instead of stuck in this emotional cycle that we get caught in, which tends to really make those triggers ongoing. And so we look at the family system, not just for supporting kids, but supporting parents or and now just adults in general, whatever those life triggers are that are coming up, that we can say, hey, there's something really important in this. It isn't that you're being a bad parent or a bad human, it's that there's something going on here that needs attention, compassion, mm-hmm. support, curiosity versus being shut down or or punished or blamed or shamed, which yeah. is when you get stuck in that cycle. so thinking how we can support everything around it so to be able to blossom instead of kind of pick apart different behaviors and fix them or stop them and control
0: mm-hmm. them, which is to keep everybody stuck and frustrated. Yeah, and just the pattern will just it'll just be a cycle and 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 keep going. Yeah, as you were saying that because I'm totally on board, right? And and this is the aspect that I have, you know, of my terminology and around rewriting the mother code is, you know, looking at what happened in our families, right? Like what's and that we're gonna have the and what I'm hearing and you saying is when we can when we have the opportunity to bring those up and look at them through that lens then we have the opportunity for transformation, right? Then it's kind of like, okay, well, the child maybe presented this behavior that then triggered me from something from my childhood. And it's beautiful because that helps with my healing. You know, I get to go back and look and bring that to the surface and whatever it is, feel the emotions about it, you know, heal, see where it's impacting me in my life. And if I'm unhooked from that, wow, now I'm now more available to my child. I can be present, you know, with myself and then be present, you know, with the child and everybody wins in that, in that scenario, but it's not always easy. Right. So I was wondering, you know, as you were saying that, you know, once you start bringing in like, Hey, let's like, you know, look at, you know, what the possible triggers are for you and your child's behavior. I don't know how you introduce, you know, introduce that. Are most parents Open to looking at that, or sometimes are there, you know, kind of like, well, you know, this isn't about me; it's about my child, and you know, is how does that generally go for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there there is a readiness, and it takes a level of security to be able to look and see the triggers and be aware of it. So I think about you know often now the people that are drawn to me are people that are ready and they're wanting and they're you know they they've seen the. Content or writing or words or related to it in some way that feels like it's you know they're right there. It's just like a little nudge, and we're we're in it. And um I definitely see more you know definitely some resistance or challenge even in that space, though. and I think about it as blame or what I would call externalizing our triggers. Mm-hmm. can't be a really healthy part of the healing process, meaning obviously we don't we don't want to live there. but For a lot of us that may have been more internal or instead of externalizing behaviors, so maybe like hitting or blaming or lashing out as kids, I think a lot of people that tend to work with me are more tending to be internal as kids. So maybe instead of when that outward anger wasn't working, it was directed inward.
0: Hmm.
1: That might look like perfectionism, which is I see kind of rooted in shame. Like I need to be perfect if I get it perfectly. And I'll be secured some way where I'll be accepted or get approval or kind of a self like loathing or criticism or an inner critic. That's always there. So when we start to move into lame of others, like, oh my goodness, this kid is so hard. Like this is impossible. Like nobody has it as hard as me. Like it's this, I I see it as a really often pivotal part of moving, I would say up, up the ladder. We look at a ladder mm-hmm. of system healing and instead of being down kind of near the bottom, which is that like stuck inward, dissociated, highly critical of self place, you start to be aware of like, oh my goodness, this is an injustice. Like there's an injustice here. This this shouldn't have happened or this this was really challenging. So then I see it. Obviously the goal isn't to blame a kid for the long term but it can be accessing some really healthy assertiveness or healthy anger that can be really sacred in the process of reconnecting with the body instead of you know, detaching and self abandoning and meeting everybody's needs in mm. substitute of connecting with our own so i see resistance sometimes as like a healthy part that we can honor as
0: protectiveness that may not have been there in the past or
1: that may have been
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, building your own kind of protectiveness in a way that wasn't you couldn't couldn't do as a child, but you can for yourself now. Exactly.
1: Yes. So as we start to get curious about the triggers, I see it just happen naturally, where every time I work with someone, it's like, wow, I really this kid hasn't shifted a whole lot in their own right, but the ways that I've shifted or my perception or my perspective or the way that I'm behaving like I see now how that's setting them up for success and allowing it's like this ripple effect on everything in the system. So I think really getting curious about the triggers instead of coming at it, you know, when when we get stuck is when I'm stuck internally and I'm like, oh my goodness, we're still here. This is like, this isn't working. You know, maybe my shame pops up about Mm -hmm. how, how good of a coach I am or something like that. And then I'm feeling like, oh my goodness, why don't you just see it this way? And I realize that's my own kind of trigger popping up that needs attention instead of something that they're doing wrong or taking a long time with. Of course it you know, takes a long time. It's a really gradual process. And sometimes it's just one little shift that they'll make and I can really trust that hmm. their timing, their process. So I love that.
0: That's a full parallel process. Uh, <laughs> right. Which is like- so beautiful. Right. And I, I just, I feel like it's more holistic, more feminine, more, you know, it isn't just this straight path and linear and we're going to get from you know, a we have this issue to be in the straight line, you know, that just like takes us there, but that there's going to be a whole, you know, weaving and up and, you know, up and down and around and more people are going to, you know, be a part of it than maybe we considered. And, all of that. So I think when we can understand that and, and operate that way, because otherwise we think like, oh, it should, you know, someone should just give me 10 easy steps on how to figure this out and then oh, and we'll be done with it.
1: <laughs> oh, so true. Yes. Yeah. I love that feminine versus masculine energy. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of like you're in a flow and in a process and it it can be pretty abstract, you know, while we're pulling from, I always say, a framework of what we're doing. And really trusting the unknown and trusting the uncertainty is such a big part of it, which I see is that like more intuitive part of
0: yeah. And I say feminine, I mean like the yin aspect, right? And intuitive and and some of these qualities and values. Not I'm always making my disclaimer, you know, not men, women, <laughs> not gender based, but, yeah. but quality yeah. based Thank you. I, I just this conversation always like warms my heart. And I think I know the answer to this next question I'm thinking about, but I, I'm going to ask it this way anyway. But so is, do you feel like there's a common issue that mothers or parents struggle with that, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a whole range, but, and maybe it's changed over the years that you've done it and you see cycles, um, but is there kind of a, a common behavioral, what starts as like a behavioral issue with, you know, a child in the family? And of course, and then we've, we know it grows from there but is there are there ones in particular and and then maybe we can walk through like somebody comes to you, comes to you and then what is kind of the a quick i don't mean to like make it sound like it's quick and easy but you know what's the trajectory hi i'm so excited to share with you my 2024 spring equinox self-mothering retreat that's happening this march 2024 And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather, if that's the space that you're in, and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay. And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go. It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you using everything around us the nature the food the beautiful people the rituals ceremonies i bring it you know we really bring it and we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release we let go we bring in what is nourishing what is empowering what is that space of just really divine feminine energy and we do it in the community of women It's not for everyone. I will be honest. You know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So, this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up, but now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events, and there you go; it'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you, and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Yes,
1: so I think a big. Common issue, just among. I tend to work with mostly women, and it, it's definitely you know, any any gender, but just dysregulation in general, which I see as either a sensory dysregulation, which is kind of like an overwhelm, overstimulation. Yeah, we're kind of in this stress response mode of fight, flight, freeze, and almost living in survival mode. So we might mm-hmm. be going through life. And instead of really being in the moment, we might be always living with a sense of urgency, a sense of like there isn't enough time, there isn't enough uh, money or resources, or it's this kind of underlying sense of insecurity or like I'm not Mm -hmm. okay. So the other thing I look at is emotional dysregulation. So Mm -hmm. that might be where similarly, we have a lot of fear, you know, and this is something that I've become aware of how much emotion humans can carry, whether we show it or not, we all are emotional beings. Yes, quote that. You know, we like to think we're thinking beings that feel, but actually, we're feeling beings that think. Yeah, because of our wiring. So when we have, when we think we don't have emotion, it's often showing up in all kinds of ways. So maybe that fear comes up in workaholism or control of food or Mm. control of others or ourselves or there's all these ways that fear might be societally rewarded and we haven't really looked at how secure people feel from the inside out so I think a common issue that I see that really drives a lot of behavioral roots of whatever's happening is Mm -hmm. that there's dysregulation somewhere cooking under the surface or just blatantly out there in the open. And life has such a way of cracking us open in ways that we'll find these areas. And Mm -hmm. I find that we haven't had a lot of, I would call co-regulation. So this idea of being in the emotion or in the experience alongside a trusted adult who feels like an anchor. Mm -hmm. And so something we think many struggle with is being able to hold a lot of emotion, a lot of sensations to so whatever experience is coming up. So then we have these seemingly trivial things or, you know, a kid showing an emotion, a kid having a behavior. And it feels like the end of the world. It feels like this is the hardest thing. And it and it can be really hard not to minimize sure. or adapt like that. But we start to see how the dysregulation kind of takes over and takes mm-hmm. us from reality and keeps us from problem-solving in the moment or thinking about, like, oh, they might need this or having ideas. And it kind of takes over and puts us back in that survival mode that may be really familiar. Mm-hmm. So really, clients that I see are really creating a whole new relationship with themselves, with others. They're noticing that the relationships maybe in their life haven't been as co-regulating as maybe they're ready for or need. And they're looking for space to really get to the root of that and live in a way that feels more balanced and nourishing versus that I've survival driven in all the different ways I can. Or um, like a shutdown state, like hopelessness or feeling like that despair or I'm the only one. like Nobody's ever had as hard as me. Mm. And I'm moving to a more connected Regulated place, and how we do that is all through relational healing, really. So, talking through experiences, talking through what's happening, what's coming up, and really rewiring the responses to it. And in the beginning, it can be really exhausting and draining, and then it tends to become more automatic Mm. and literally rewiring the whole system. So, it's like you're stepping into a new personality, a new. A way of being in the world and with ourselves.
0: It's it's so beautiful. I, I mean, I'm thinking about things in my life, kind of, you know, going along with you on, on the journey. And just in case somebody might, I, I'm familiar with it. Um, when you say uh, dysregulation or, you know, can you just break that down a little bit? Like what,
1: yeah, or what so does
0: that mean? Typically, oh God, we have simple
1: words like meltdown or a tantrum with kids. Okay. Uh, so, um, or even if I see something like labels like defiance or mm. even disrespect, something like they're not being respectful, often there's something that is triggering the nervous system. So instead of looking at it as intentional behavior, which can be intentional, and often you know, they're trying to learn about the world, or trying to learn about emotion, or trying to explore sure. that. So there can be, you know, somewhat intentional roots, but there's usually a purpose, or there's almost always a purpose uh, beyond just trying to be, a, you know, a little rascal giving everyone a hard time. Mm-hmm. So when we look at it as not just a meltdown, but there's it's actually a brain body reaction. So there's actually something that has triggered the system to protect or to defend, or they're feeling out of control. Yeah. So it's this sense, you know, in kids, it becomes more clear often, especially young kids, dysregulation is a, what I would say, a disorganized or disproportionate response to what comes up. So if you have mm-hmm. a kid that is, you know, unhappy that they ask for a banana cut in half, Give them the banana half and then they're crying because the banana is cut in half, right? It's like this, it's not logical. It's often not related to reality. It's so if we stay in that, well, you asked for the banana cut in half, just, you know, this is what you wanted. Then we kind of get stuck because it's not really about the banana. It's about the system mm-hmm. that is saying, like, this is a threat or this doesn't make sense or there's a dysregulation, insecurity, or Something that needs support to develop the brain in order to be able to have perspective taking and be able to think logically, so we're really looking so cool. at yeah we're looking at the opportunities for dysregulation as a an opportunity to understand what is going on, so I think it's not disrespect it's often dysregulation, so kids are yelling at their parent or yelling at their teacher in the classroom like there's something Going on under the surface, it's a dysregulation. So if we get stuck in thinking like this kid's disrespectful, it's send them to the office. It's often defeating really what they need in that moment, Mm -hmm. which is an adult with them to maybe be assertive or compassionately firm and say like we we can't talk like that. I wonder what's going on. Or there's a whole brain body way of co-regulating whatever Mm -hmm. their individual system needs and. That's really where we start to look at, oh, wow, we we all get dysregulated. No, it's not just that we're being a jerk, like we feel insecure, we're out of control. So it's a really supportive way to move into stress or look at human stress, human behavior more differently. Does
0: that answer that? Yeah, no, totally. And I think it was just using some of the other words and because I really like dysregulation and then moving toward co-regulation, right? Like that's that's the job that we're doing here versus because I I well oh, I had like a gut clench when you were saying things like, oh, he's a you know, he or she is like they're difficult. They're a hard child. They're having tantrums and, you know, there's always this feeling that even just comes with those words. And then the child hears that over and over again and then just starts adapting to that label, you know, or that role. And that's adds to the cycle. I mean, it's not, you know, how the issue started, but I just always think being careful about those things or mindful, not so much careful, but mindful about the words we're choosing. So since that's not the most common way that we speak of a meltdown, you know, or a tantrum or, you know, what you described in it, I think the example you gave was great. Like, they're having a meltdown about something that they asked for, right? That that doesn't make sense. So, you know, our system then is going to react to that and uh have its own judgments and feelings. So, I I I think you laid it out beautifully. But the the label thing also caught me. It's like, "Oh, yeah, this is a much more humane way, you know, to talk about it and and bigger and broader and expanded than just, you know, they're just difficult, you know. I have a a difficult child, but even like spirited, I don't know. Then we try and put it just in a positive then, right? Like, oh, they're lively or spirited, but I don't know though. I like the words that you're using They're It feels like label you know, it's naming the behavior in a much more neutral way.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I think we, when you try to put a positive spin on it, we miss a lot of the, like we are fallible humans that will all be, yeah. we all have unhelpful behaviors. And, you know, some of that you know with kids it's like we're trying to give them the best shot at showing up with those behaviors less and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the reality is is that we can all we all will be a hard time to others at times and
0: yes. it's like <laughs> oh, I don't know, I think that ever makes sense away. at times right exactly I'm gonna ask for something and then like what what did you do that for like what's what you asked mm-hmm. for it's like well it's not what I want <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yes>. yeah.
0: <laughs> Have to oh. please. yeah exactly exactly Well, I, I know, you know, this, and a lot of my audience does that, you know, one of the foundational aspects of rewriting the mother code is, you know, we, that all women, but people mother, whether, you know, it's this beautiful thing that we're capable of, of mother, you know, of having a child, but there's, it's so much more expanded than that. And, you know, we mother our businesses, our relationships, our dreams, and, and all of that, but that the most important person we need to mother is ourselves. Right. And you've been talking about that, but I just, you know, want to underline that a little bit more, maybe ask you, because you are, you kind of laid it out a little bit at the beginning, but I just want to go another layer on, you know, how do you take care of yourself? How do you mother yourself in this work that you do that, you know, is overtly, you know, designed to help us like be mindful of our emotions and bring them up and then sit with families and be in the midst of that, you know, with them you know what's that like for you as far as like what have what have you worked on and done just some examples of that for yourself
1: oh so much i think the entrepreneurial path mm-hmm. working with you know working with people and there's so much that comes up around just putting yourself out there in a business mm-hmm. and and creating something and putting it into the world and i think it has a way of bringing up all the wounds that yeah that need to come up or be Heard, seen, responded to differently. So I think for me, it's an ongoing practice of like noticing where triggers might be coming up. So early on, it's like this fear of being seen or feeling like I needed to get it right or um, that fear of judgment, fear of criticism, fear of, oh, goodness, what else is out there? You know, right? It's like there's so much, there's so much around just being able to move through old things in the past. So for me, even like mm-hmm. celebrating or showing strengths, so I had a lot of insecurity or triggers around that because kind of the, the view in the past was like, don't be a know-it-all or don't, you know, mm-hmm. you're speaking up too much or you're not speaking up enough or, you know, just all these rules around what it means to be a a woman in this world oh. and how much our roles can show up and we put a lot of emphasis on like what roles we have or how we're doing in those roles. And for me, it's been really piecing apart. Like, yes, those are parts of me, but so much of my mothering myself path has been one being aware of all the you know, fear or shame or triggers that can come up, mm-hmm. and responding in a way that feels curious or compassionate. And then also thinking about like my roles and how that that doesn't define me as a as a human right it's like that doesn't our doing our our you know accomplishments our uh, you know what what others perception is of us like it just doesn't it doesn't say anything about me really at, you know the worthiness or the like, core being of our soul yeah. so we can think part of me is the mothering of like reminding myself again and again that like, this is not, this doesn't say anything about me as much as it's amazing. It's been such a gift to do this work and to so much to celebrate. It's kind of detaching that from like making that mean something about who I am or, Mm -hmm. you know, letting it, letting the need to perform perfect, please. It's like to fall away from you know, we can share purpose and get back to that connection with something bigger, something greater than ourselves, and that to me feels like mothering myself in a really beautiful yeah. way.
0: I love it. No, oh, that's really beautiful. A couple more things. I just want to like, you know, this one doesn't have to be extensive, but what's I've you know watched you evolve over, you know, my time meeting you and in, in 2019 and expanding and growing yourself, what's your vision for Thriving Littles? Like what, you know, what are your kind of some of your dreams or visions for where you see this, see yourself through Thriving Littles? Cause I don't want it to feel like it's about that. Cause it's you really like living, living through this entity.
1: So really, I think, and it goes with mother and myself too, but I think as a former, kind of hustler you know as a kid i was constantly doing and working mm-hmm. and kind of striving i would say really my vision now is to really like lean really fully into where we are now mm-hmm. so for me that means just kind of celebrating the path and where it's led and so right now that looks like working with clients and really showing up fully in sessions and time with them mm-hmm. and of going where I'm called. So I always think like invitations that come have felt really picking apart what is nourishing. So like mentoring or uh, training others that are doing this work or professionals, educators, and just writing and creating and Mm -hmm. letting less be more really. And that's such a place of, you know, not wanting to have a a super full schedule like I used to every single minute of every day be scheduled and I still have quite a bit of that however there's more intentionality around scheduling the things that I want to do or that bring uh, joy bring pleasure bring like, nourishing elements and it's such an exhausting I think this path can be so exhausting it's like the deep inner work requires such deep rest and being and yeah. uh, nourishing so think my vision right now is is really just like expanding and enriching what is already here and trusting the next step and the next kind of thing to come when it feels really aligned and
0: ready to to be into the world well well, i think that's uh, you're describing it beautifully and it isn't and it's definitely much more vision and what we were talking, what we've touched on through here, right? Like I'm emphasizing my being, I'm emphasizing the quality of experience and, you know, that's my vision for myself and my business. Everyone's going to benefit from that, right? It doesn't mean I have to, you know, like we're so orient, we can, can be so oriented toward like, oh, I want to have 20 more products or, you know, like, and and those can serve us, like they can give us, but it's, it's kind of shifting like what's in the forefront, right? It's like, well, those, I might choose any one of those, like a goal like that, but it's going to be in service of my vision of being right. Because like, oh, I bet I'll learn a lot from that. And I wonder, you know, what, what that journey will take me. Not like, oh, I just, I'll be enough if I hit that, you know, that metric and, you know, I'll be validated. And that's, you know, what's going to give it to me. You know, you're talking about the journey, you're talking about nourishment along the way and, you know, and acknowledging, and you said something that I never, you know, heard it quite put that way, that, you know, when you're taking the time to, you know, do the work that you're doing, but connect it and allow it to bring to the surface, your deeper work to then go work on yourself. Like that takes energy. Like that is kind of a, a doing in a way that we, you know, kind of like slot off or, or, you know, just think that can just happen. But give, you know, acknowledging that as part of, of the job. I just, I just thought that was beautiful. So I'm really happy to underline that one.
1: Yeah. It's so just the, it's so right with like, it's such a practice to learn to be a whole different, like just learning, even the word rest used to be triggering. And it still can be at times like get mm-hmm. some rest or like, hope you can rest. Because it's like when my system hasn't known how to do that in a way that felt secure, like it didn't feel secure to rest in the past because I yeah. had financial wounding and just the, the ways that rest would have impacted my ability to be, like it, I didn't feel like I had that capacity. So it is, it's like a whole different practice of like, it's so much internal mm-hmm. and and allowing space for that feels really... Yeah, Very countercultural and confusing, even to myself at times. Yeah, totally. Being able to see like the community that it draws in and the
0: people that are ready for that is pretty, Mm. pretty cool. That's beautiful. Well, speaking of drawing people in and, and the people finding you, love for you to share. And of course, it'll be in the show notes, but... How can people find you? And if there's anything you want to highlight uh, at this moment about how they could work with you, I would love for them to know that.
1: So right now, I am mostly doing clients one-to-one. That is the bulk of my work. So uh, always reach out on the website. There's scheduling a clarity call, the work with us tab, and mostly on Instagram and email. So if you sign up at our website, www.thrivinglittles.com, our Pop up, you'll get on a newsletter list and that goes out once a month with just insights on what's happening. And um, that's a great way to be in touch. And then we have programs. So there's lots of master classes you can go on and check out online. So if you're wanting to more about know more about what is co-regulation, what does that look like, or a, a deep dive into that? We have a masterclass called Dance of Co-regulation, all about you kind know, of walking through different mind-body ways to put that in practice in a day. And um, otherwise, my email is hello at thrivinglittles.com and uh,
0: reach out anytime. Yeah, beautiful. No, I I love that you touched on all of those and and you share a lot of beautiful content on Instagram that, you know, and then on up, I would highly, I'm sure, recommend working one-on-one with you. Um, So that's all great. So last question that I ask all my guests is... Wait, the last question is, yes. Uh, what does rewriting the mother code mean to you?
1: So rewriting the mother code to me means that we are on a path that we choose or you know, maybe if we don't feel like we chose everything intentionally, mm. it's on a path that feels unique to us and we can celebrate it and also kind of grieve the parts that mean we don't get to choose all the other paths. I think mm. there's so many places that we can go and when we get to a wholeness of we have all this freedom to have opportunities and make choices and there is loss in the, the parts that we won't choose in whatever we do. So it's getting to the wholeness of you know everything in there, whether it's the the joyful parts or the parts that we, you know, have been hard, the parts that have been hard or painful and acknowledging that as our own unique path and The ways that we do show up in a wholeness of what I envision as the mother word to mean.
0: That's so beautiful. I I I love asking that question because everybody has, you know, it's where it's personal and where you know I'm all I'm learning. (laughs) And
1: yeah, it's a good question.
0: Well, Katie, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for the work you're doing, but thank you for coming on you know, sharing this flew by to me. I'm like, wait, uh, how is it even this time? Um, And so I'm sure those listening will feel the same, but thank you. And I'm wishing you just such huge um, success, but success in this broader way that we talked about it, right?
1: Yes. It's so good to connect and uh, see you. And I hope this is helpful for everyone listening.
0: Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful, and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.